Good morning, church family. It is good to be together. Yeah? You smelling breakfast? Who didn't eat breakfast this morning? Yeah, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. Uh, what a way to start. Um, man, thanks, guys. What a beautiful way to start. Just the psalmist says that every time the sun would rise and set, it was a reminder of the presence of God that once again he brings a new day. And I can't help but think this morning, as we enter in and smelling the, the, the food, but singing together and just being reminded of why we gather around his name, and that is why we gather. We're not trying to do church or do clubs or make this like some special select group. If truth be told, we're a flawed group. We're a flawed bunch. And we gather, though, to be reminded of who completes us, and that's Christ himself. And so we're glad you're here. Uh, there's a lot of going on at our church and lots of things. This is kind of a launching Sunday. And uh, just a couple things. We have what's called Wednesday Night Connect. It starts on the 19th. And Wednesday Night Connect is for families um, with kids that want to kind of plug them into groups. One of the things we learned years ago is that there's an irregular attendance on Sundays. And for kids especially, for them to get plugged into one leader that's investing in just that group, it was really difficult. And what we would have is uh, people that would come different times and services, different Sundays, and small group leaders couldn't get really traction in connecting kids. And so a few years back, we launched into uh, Wednesday night groups, Wednesday night connect, and it's for both parents and kids uh, to be plugged in, and it's for a semester, and so we get semester sign-ups, and then we'll do it again um, sometime for winter. But boy, I encourage you to do that. We start on the 19th, I think, it's Wednesday night, 18th, my numbers are all messed up, it's 18th, we start that on Wednesday night, so uh, if you're interested in that, please uh, get connected to that. Ushers, if you'd come forward, and one of the things we love to do here um, is to talk about uh, our hearts being generous, and typically if you're a, a new church attender or you've been around church, this is like that, ah, I always want money. We really don't want that. Now, <laughs> obviously there's things that run here on finances, but I want you to hear why. Last week Bobby talked and talked about what it meant to have a surrendered heart, and one of the attributes or the expressions of a heart that's surrendered to God, God begins to make it generous. And the scripture is just full, uh, full of passages around hearts that become generous for God. And so last week, do you remember, at our response time, we said go back and write on a paper how you're going to be generous this year? So we have a stack of these sheets in the office that I was starting to read through. And it wasn't as much about money. It was time. Yeah. Oh, we have a, do we have any doctors in the house or somebody... And that we need you in the, in the lobby, if you could do that. Yeah, what's that? Or, even a nurse. or a nurse. Yes. There's somebody going back there right now. Uh, and we'll let you know what's going on with that, right? Boy, lots of doctors. Wow. Wait, the doctors are leaving for the offering. This is a problem. This is a problem. Somebody give for them, please. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I, had to, I had, couldn't pass that one up, sorry. 
They're like, they won't come back now. Um, God loves generous people, and so when we were flipping through that, it was really about, man, I have a trade I want to give this year, or I want to I be able to spend more time with certain people, and it was just this great expression of generosity, and that's why we do this. This is really another act of worship for us, and so I want to pray for that as the ushers um, pass that. Father, we are grateful uh, for what you've given us, and God, we, just, we ask that you take this expression of generosity as a small portion of thanks. God, we right now pray for this woman that's um, needing something related to her health. God, we just pray your hand over her as doctors and nurses look at her. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're excited this morning to, to dive in really the second part of our series. And if you were not here uh, last weekend, you were probably somewhere um, finishing up your summer um, on Labor Day. But last week, we started a series called Three Circles, and I wanted to give you a quick review of what this is really about. You see, one of the things around here that we've been talking a lot about is we, we plan well. We feel like as a staff and elder board and volunteers, we had about 200 volunteers on Friday night and all day Saturday, 12 hours, called Leadership Launch. And we were together talking about what it meant to be leaders and servants with one another, and we recognize that we, uh, for a lot of years at Green Bay Community Church, 46 years, have had a very committed group of volunteers and that plan well. And yet there's been something kind of in us that's just sensed that God's calling us to something deeper than just good planning and good stewardship. And as I've been reading uh, through a book uh, on my own called The Circle Maker and Mark Batterson becoming kind of a new friend um, at a pastor at National Community Church in Washington, D.C. He just honestly talks about this idea of praying. Now, his book's not super profound. It just says pray. But one of the things he says is to begin to circle things in your life that you're asking God uh, to answer. Now, we all know that this is not a name it and claim it like transaction with God. Hey, I'm going to ask him to do this and he will do it. He's not a genie in a bottle. Yes, Oh, we got to dismiss kids. They didn't want to hear my message, Brenda? We're all over the board this morning, aren't we? Kids, you could, be, you could escape. Um, at one through four, though, fifth and sixth are staying in here. So kids, hey, let's clap for them. Yep, thanks, kids. See, just when I say we're really great planners and we have it all figured out, we're a mess. See you later. So we've just been feeling at the heartbeat of who we are as a church that we need to be on our knees. And one of the things he talks about is that when you look at a life and our lives, if you were to lay out the transcript of your prayer, it most likely will be a telling transcript of your life. In other words... Godly men and women throughout the Bible and throughout history have found that their prayer life matches the remarkable, crazy, perplexing answers that God brings, often differently with what we circle. You know what I'm saying? You may circle something and say, God, will you do? And he goes, oh, no, no, that wasn't what I wanted, but thanks for praying, and I'm going to surprise you. And it's perplexing, and it's an amazing journey, and what we've just felt like as a church body we need to take that journey together as a church. In the nation of Israel, throughout the Old Testament, 
were actually a feared nation. People feared them, yet they had greater armies all around them. You know why they feared them? Because it was God who was on their side. And one of the things that we feel like as a church body that we need to begin to, to dive in more as a family, and that is that we're getting the transcript of our church prayers out there. And again, it's not a name it and claim it, and it's not God's going to do exactly what we want him to do. But you know what? What we're going to be done to do is be on our knees as a church. And so we're doing 40 days of prayer. It starts today. This, you can buy these books. Um, we don't make anything on them. We got them on consignment from Lighthouse. There's a, a banner out there, and we're starting today. If you read the introduction in day one, it's 40 days of praying if you want kind of something to launch your spiritual journey, I'd encourage you to get on your knees. And sometimes doing things together really helps a church family and it helps people dive in and maybe begin a habit uh, of doing something. We'll be kind of doing that through Twitter and, and Facebook and posting kind of just some thoughts, but I'd encourage you to dive in. And that's really our series. Three circles praying for change. Because don't you want change? I mean, I, I, I hear the news, I, I look at our communities, you see the world, and we want change. That will never happen through politicians. That will ha never happen through economic change. It's not going to happen through better volunteers. It's going to happen because God himself will reveal himself to others and change hearts. That's what we talked about. Bobby talked about that last week. And we've talked about this idea of what does it mean to change a heart? We can't change a heart. It means God is revealing something to somebody. When that happens, they're surrendered their life and they profess their faith through baptism. 16 people yesterday did that as these new kind of leaders and family members of our church body. And then it becomes generous heart and then it becomes attending. And one of the things we're going to keep pushing for you to do is to attend. Be here. As you see these pictures, these are family members. There's something about when we gather that God does something so unique, doesn't he? He begins to, man, he begins to nail me as I'm watching these pictures. Um, ah, there's something about when we gather and we worship together and we give together and we serve together and we're, we, we find ourselves a part of something that's so much bigger than us. Friends, it's not about checking a box, I did church this week. It's about you being a part of the family. And being a part of a family is not an attender. It's an investor. It's an owner. It's, you're taking ownership. And we want to keep talking this way at our church, Bobby, and, and this family. And if you want to know more about that, you can go into the Connection Lounge. The elders and some of the staff will talk to you about that. But, and you're all invited. You're all invited. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be a great leader you don't have to have certain gifts. Honestly, it's your hands are open and saying, God, I'm, I'm all in. But we know that God only can change hearts. And now this morning, we want to talk about what does it mean to change people? How do people change? They change from change hearts, but how do they begin to change even how they, they behave and, and work with one another? And Paul, the writer of Romans, says it so well. He talks about being transformed in Romans chapter 12 by the renewing of our minds. We have to think differently. We have to, to surrender our hearts, and then God begins to change about how we think about things. And can we just agree? We're all, not all right. In fact, if truth be told, most of us are wrong a lot of the time, myself included. 
We're flawed. We don't get it all right. And our gathering here isn't because these are all the right people of Green Bay getting all the answers right and living rightly. What we do is we are a people that are pulled together as a family because we've surrendered our hearts. And Paul says this. But he goes on in verse 5, and he's talking about that we're members of, of this family. And he says, so in Christ, though we are many, there's a lot of us. We're dressed different, different hairstyles, different checking accounts, different skill sets, different gifts, different families, different journeys. But we all form one body, one family, and it says, and each member belongs to all the others. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, in our logo and in our phrase, it's connect, belong, go. Do you realize to change people, what happens is there's a sense that you belong to one another. And we felt like this morning we needed to do that in a different way to help get at you a little bit in saying that this isn't small group Sunday and everybody sign up, oh, here they go again. We gotta sign up for another thing. Friends, you have been formed into a family around Jesus and when your heart has changed, you long to be a part of the family. There's a belonging sense. And that's hard work, isn't it? Anybody been in a small group and it completely crashed and failed? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. You'll, you'll embarrass somebody in the room, I'm sure. I was, I was probably half the problem with it. Maybe three quarters. And so we find ourselves sometimes in groups that are pretty shallow and not very helpful for us. So we're going to have our pastor of Belong, Pete, Teach us this morning, but before we do, take a look at some of the comical ways we probably try to do group life. Are you tired of small groups always getting into your business, trying to get you to share your feelings, discuss your past, confess your sins? Are you just looking for a place to kick it, network, maybe get some free grub? Me too. That's why I created what I believe to be the world's first openly shallow small group. We're not here to deal with messy stuff like feelings and emotions. You got problems? You deal with that. You're an adult. Life ain't easy. So stop the pity party. We all have our issues. We don't really want to do life together. Frankly, at shallow small group, we try not to do much of anything at all. You'll never hear us use the term, unpack that thought. We're sure it's packed away for a really good reason. And you'll never hear us use the term accountability unless you're talking about someone who deals with numbers. Hey, dude, thanks for doing my taxes. You have great accountability. And spiritual growth? Who wants growth? I had a growth removed last week. It wasn't pleasant. There's no pressure here to remember each other's name. What's going on, buddy? Oh, hey, man, how's it going? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, good. Oh, dude. Captain, what's going on? We know you have a name, and that's the important thing. Group discussion? You got tickets to the big game? Sweet. Let's spend some time on that. Oh, you and your wife are struggling financially? There's tension in the relationship? Uh, that's not really the vibe we're going for. We avoid conflict like the plague. wants cake? And there will never, ever be an awkward silence. That's our guarantee to you. We hate bad theology as much as the next guy, and we know the surest way to prevent bad theology is to avoid theology altogether. And outreach? This is the only outreach you'll ever have to do. Some people say we're superficial, 
But hey, the word supers and superficial. I mean, who doesn't want to be super? Shallow small group. Because when things get too deep, people drown. Won't you join us? <laughs> So I think uh, that video, did you see the guy in the, in the really short shorts? Dude, that should be like an sh- uh, anti-short shorts small group. Awful. So hey, um, uh, yes, I get to speak to Belong as I finish up some pancakes and bacon here. And um, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I could talk about uh, get in a group. And really, because that's the bottom line when we talk about belong, that area. That's kind of the practical step, is get in a group. And, but I, just, I wanted to kind of just uh, move away from that for a little bit, and I'll kind of hit some practical stuff at the end of my time. But I wanted to hit more of the, the value of belonging, and talk around that a little bit from a few different angles. And uh, so uh, I, the first thing I think of when I think of uh, belong, it's, it's really the, the what does it feel like? Kind of what does it mean to, to belong? So what? <clears throat> so what does it mean? You know, uh, I want to paint a picture, uh, to do that, paint a picture of what it means to not belong and what it means to belong. So there's this, here's what it feels like to not belong and here's what it feels like to belong. And, uh, okay, so put yourself in this position. Uh, it's the first day of school, and there's some students still in here, and you know what this is all about. You go to the first day of school, and, and what happens at lunchtime? You have to find a place to sit. For some of us, we have to remember back for a while to remember what that felt like, but remember, put yourself in that position where you, you show up to the lunchroom, and you have your tray, and it's loaded up with delicious food. And uh, you, you stop when you get out of the lunch line, and then you look. Uh-oh. Oh, man. And the tension starts rising, because you don't know where your friends are. You just don't know uh, to whom you belong. Where are my friends, these people that I connect with? Where are they? And so you're, you're kind of looking around, and, and you make that decision to just go find somewhere to sit. Uh, and there's that feeling of, oh, tension, and there's a pit in your stomach, and... and so our kids, uh, Logan and Olivia, came home this a couple weeks ago and talked about, I don't know why we got on the subject of lunch, but we talked about what happened at lunch at the high school, and they, they thought, they said, well, it was interesting because the freshmen, all, they got there, right, they, they're trying to figure out school, they're trying to figure out who they are, they're trying to figure out then lunch, right, <laughs> lunch, and so they show up, and, they, and they're ringing. They kind of have this ring around the whole room, and they're on their cell phones. Oh, where are you, dude? Dude, help me out here. Where are you? You know, they're trying to hook up with their friends and, and sit with their people, and they're texting and stuff. Back in my day, it was, you know, you had to just look. You couldn't just pick up your cell phone, right? Come on. So uh, there's that feeling of, oh. I talked to a friend uh, here at the church has been here uh, quite a long time, 20 plus years, and I've been here with, with my family for 20 plus years. And uh, you know, if you're around any uh, church, any group of people, family, whatever it is, there's this, you see lots of change, right? And, and uh, for some of you who've been around a long time here at this church, you've been a part of a lot of stuff, a lot of good, good days. There comes a point, though, when things change, and, and you think, 
oh, I don't know if I belong anymore. I don't know if there's a place for me. And, um, you know, I was talking to this friend, and, and they had said that I just don't know if I have a place anymore. I don't know if I were gone, if somebody would miss me. And there's this feeling of not belonging, where you once were a part, now there's this step away, and almost this alienation, right? Of, oh. Um, a few years ago, uh, for those of you who have been around a few years ago, uh, we had this whole transition in our church, where uh, Joe, our longtime lead pastor, was transitioning out, and he was retiring to a different scenario and such, and, and we we're looking for a new pastor. And I gotta say, that was, um, was kind of like the dark years for me. And, and, you know, being a part of one body for a long period of time, there's ups and downs and all sorts of stuff. But for me, there was this, this oh, I don't know if I belong here anymore. I'm not quite sure. Um, a lot of changes, and I was a part of a lot of decisions and such. And, and, but there was this almost that this, I don't know if I'm a part of this group, this family. And, and I would be here, right? So I would attend. I would attend faithfully. I would make it look like I was here. I'd walk around the halls, walking purposefully like I had somewhere to go, right? Good to see you. You know, I'd make it look that way. And I'd wander back all over the place, checking with Danny up in the booth. Hey, man, what's going on? You know, whatever. I, because I didn't feel as though I could be here, be amongst you. There was an alienation that I felt. And it was, I'm, I, it was me, but I'm feeling of alone and, and loneliness and separation. And there was this pit in my stomach of, oh, do I belong? Now, since then, there's, you know, I've come out of that and, and, and such. And I feel as though I belong, but there was this, this period of time. And, and so I think you could probably relate to some of those feelings I've described of not belonging. Uh, but what does it feel like to belong? Let's focus on positive now because enough downer, and brrr, you know, enough of this stuff. Uh, what does it feel like to belong? Well, I think of two scenarios. One is, uh, one is a, a family scenario. Uh, we give words. And it's a tradition in our home. It's a tradition that we often share with the Murphys, and we get together for special occasions and such. So we, around birthdays, uh, around Father's Day, Mother's Day, uh, leaving for college day, you know, we did this for Jordan and Jackie and Lauren, and so we send our kids off. What we do is we have a meal, right? We have a meal, uh, but then after the meal, we spend some time. Okay, we're going to give words. We're going to give words, and what does it look like? It looks like we sit around and we look in the eyes of the other person, the person with, you know, the person that we're lifting up and celebrating, and we build into them. We say, "I love you because of this," and I, I. I'm going to share my hope and dream for you. And normally it's a weep fest and everything. And it's just, you know, we can't handle it because everybody's sharing these deep thoughts. And it's just the most amazing thing that we've cultivated over the years. And it's, you know, when the kids were little, I like your hair, <laughs> right? It was just this really kind of superficial sort of, sort of thing. But it was what they had at the time. And it was great because we were building on this tradition. So we've built on this tradition. But now it's this deep, heartfelt this heartfelt, I love you because. I love you because. And so we share these deep innermost feelings. And you guys, I gotta tell you, it's, it's a level of belonging. And I think about every time I, 
tell the story, I, I just get choked up because I listen to the words that come out of my kids' mouths and out of their mouths to their cousins and aunts and uncles, and I think, yes, they belong. I listen to my son, who's 17, speak in the life of his sister, who's 15, and, and he says at her birthday, I love you. Oh, are you kidding me? I love that. Here's this, this 17-year-old man that I can't wrestle anymore. It's not here, right? So, you know, it's my arm, really. It's my arm. I can't do it anymore. You know, you're going to hurt me. I don't want to hurt you, old man. So, but to listen to him speak words, tender words, I love you. And even though we fight, I want you to know that I love you. Oh, how special is that? He says to her, in effect, you belong to me. You belong to me. Um, I think about our small group. Number of you, number of you have been in small groups over the years, and we've been in a small group uh, for last I don't know, five, six, seven, ten. I don't know how long it's been. It, it, it feels like you know short, and it feels you know like it's been a long time. But we have journeyed together in some very hairy situations. We've lost mothers and fathers. Um, we just you know one of our members just lost a brother, and. Um, you know, I, I think about our small group, and we've journeyed together, and we've told each other deep, dark secrets of, of our journey, of here's what we've been through, and here's how it impacted me, for better or for worse. And we've cried together, and we've laughed together, we've argued together. Uh, we were on a trip together. We went to San Francisco a year ago. What, what an awesome time. You know, you, you've kind of got this group that you belong to, and you all go to one spot to celebrate the wedding of one of your kids, right? So we went to celebrate, and we, again, laughed together, journeyed together, we danced together, right? We tried to dance together. Oh, you know, we just, it was a great time, and I belong to this. So you get the, the picture of what it is to not belong, the feeling, and then you get the picture of what it is to belong. And to me, uh, we have up here to know and be known. That's kind of what it is to me. This, um, I am known, and I'm loved anyway. You know, when someone really knows you and knows all of your junk, you just kind of expose yourself, it, it, you know, all your emotions and junk and all your blah, and they love you anyway, that's like, that's like walking into a hug. Someone said this yesterday at Leadership Launch. It's like walking into a hug. And I was going to copyright that. So that, that was awesome, walking into a hug. And then, um, uh, you know, you, you know and be known because we really want transformation, don't we? Not just transaction. There's a difference there. Transaction is informational. It's, uh, you know, just really it just on this level, on the shallow level, like we saw in the small group video. But transformation is about the heart and about being different and knowing someone and being known in such a way that I'm going to be different because of you. And I am. I think I am different because of the small group that I'm in. Because they know me and love me anyway. They've encouraged me through stuff. They've, they, they've uh, really <laughs> laughed with me, cried with me. I'm, I'm starting to turn into a crier anyway. And, and uh, you know, and they love me anyway. And I just feel accepted and loved and known and, and different. So that's kind of the, the, the what it is. Well, Okay, why? And Troy made reference to this, uh, kind of this, we're, we're, we're built for it. We're made to belong. We're made to belong. When, when we become Christ followers, it's almost as though we, we're, we're not, and then we step into this relationship with Christ, and we get this whole new family. 
this whole new family. And I think about uh, the, the, uh, the whole of Scripture. If we look at that, even go back to the beginning. We go back to the beginning in, in Genesis. Go back to the beginning in Genesis. Awesome. I always freak out about this thing. Genesis 126. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So we see that God is the embodiment of relationship, of belonging, of connecting. And he says, let us, referring to Father, Son, Spirit, let us make man in our image. The God of relationship said, hey, let's, let's make man in our image. And so we're designed, whether we have a relationship with Christ or not, there's this internal piece of you, if you're really, on your really vulnerable days, uh, admit to yourself, I am built for this. I am wired for this. I was made for this. But when we become Christ followers, just something different. There's just something different. And you can even see in Genesis 2.18, again, at the beginning, the Lord said, and this is in terms of when God made Adam and then God made Eve, the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And then man cheered. Woohoo! Yes! And so we're made for relationship. Even further, uh, in John, and Jesus is praying for his disciples. This is right after he prayed for his disciples. And he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. And it struck me as I was preparing for my time here this morning, when I read this, so Jesus was praying for his disciples, and then, then he prayed for uh, the people that his disciples would come in contact with, that would begin a relationship with Christ because of them, how God worked through them, uh, and, and they began a relationship with Christ, and so on, right, and so on, and so on, and so forth, until it gets to the person who talked to you, who introduced you to Christ in some way, and me. And so I think Jesus was praying for us that we might be one. That's just, that, was, that struck me the other day. He prayed, he prayed for me. He prayed for me. Oh, that was awesome. So Galatians 6 through 9, uh, 9 through 10. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to themselves. No. Belong to what? The family of believers. This is not about individual. This is about us as family. And it's the why. We were made for this. We were made for this. In fact, then the practical, uh, uh, practical outflow of that was in the early church. They devoted themselves to the teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. They wanted to be together and eat together. Everyone was filled with awe. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Verse 46, they, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were sincere, they were honest and open, and they were glad because they were together. Um, I, you know, if I'm, if I'm honest, uh, and I will be, uh, <laughs> it's easier to do things alone, right? I mean, it, wouldn't it be great if we could just be a Christ follower all by ourselves. You wouldn't have to put up with me. I wouldn't have to put up with you. You wouldn't have to put up with this person or that person. It would be easier, wouldn't it? Because there'd be no pain. We could just, there'd be no need for forgiveness. There'd be no interaction where you're doing this. There was no, it wouldn't be hard at all because it was just you and it was just me. And if I'm honest, I would, 
a lot of times prefer it that way until I'm really honest with myself and I think, no, I can't do it. I have to be together. I have to be together with another group, with people. I have to have that connection. So, and then as I thought about this belong idea and this value, uh, I think about, you know, I thought about how do I do that? And for me, there's kind of these four levels of belonging, so to speak, four levels that kind of get deeper and deeper. And so let me explain these. Uh, the first one is physical. There's this physical sense of belonging where you are a part of something. So we are all uh, a part of, we all are part of Green Bay. I live in Green Bay. I'm a part of, um, I belong to Green Bay. I uh, belong to Packer Nation, right? So I'm a part of Packers, right? And, and I belong to the Robert and Donna App family who live in South Elgin, Illinois. I belong to my brothers and sisters. I belong to my family who live here in Howard, the Sherry and Pete App family, Jordan, Logan, and Olivia. So there's this belonging, right? Um, uh, th there's this physical belonging that I am there. And, and so if we think about that, I think um, I'm pretty good at that as I belong in my family, as I belong to a church staff, as I belong to uh, you know, whatever team I'm serving on, et cetera. I can just show up and I can sit in a seat and I'm pretty good at that because it doesn't require much for me to do that. I just... Boom. Sit, right? I just have a pulse, and I breathe, all right? So I'm just, I'm there. So in a group, in a relationship, and it's the same way in my marriage relationship, I can be, just, I can sit there. Then, then things will get a little bit deeper, and, and I think mentally. So there's this mental engagement of, I'm thinking. I'm making decisions about how I'm going to connect with somebody, in, in a conversation with Sherry, I'm not thinking about all the other things that, that I think I need to do. I need to mow the lawn. I, I need to, uh, you know, whatever it is I need to do, all the other things that I think about. I, I've got all this work to do over here. And I'm, I'm mentally engaged with her, and I'm thinking about what she's saying. I'm there physically, I'm there mentally, and I'm thinking about what she's saying. I'm not elsewhere. I'm fully, fully present, and I belong to her in that relationship. And we laughed yesterday uh, with a table that, that, uh, of, of ladies from our church who were at Leadership Launch, and they said, you know, um, uh, it just enlightened me that, you know, they heard that when men say, you know, when they're asked, what are you thinking about? And they say, nothing. It's true, nothing, right? <laughs> we're not thinking about anything. Okay, I'm back. All right. So uh, it's this kind of funny conversation. But then you think about physical, mental. Then you think about emotional. Oh boy. <laughs> Getting a little hot in here, you know. I am not, uh, I was not wired for uh, emotional connection. I didn't, I didn't learn how to do that growing up. Um, uh, oh, it's a weep fest now, okay, but I grew up and it's more of this emotional, emotionally constipated, right? Okay. <laughs> it's a pleasant picture, isn't it? Um, you know, and, and but I had one emotion, anger. If I was sad, I was angry. Happy, angry. Frustrated, angry. So, you know, I had one emotion, but I couldn't display anything else because that was it, and that's what I knew how to do. And uh, so that has been a difficult journey for me to, to emotionally connect and to um, share my feelings um, and, and to... Uh, bring out the feelings of another, and to really feel, feel with them. Now, a little bit different, or it's taken a number of years, but it's more of this, this emotionally incontinent. 
right? So went from one, went to the other, I'm, I'm, I've turned. And uh, so it's just like, and I, some, I can't control myself sometimes. And, and so I just, you know, I was in a, a strat meeting. Here's Jordan, my daughter. She got accepted, her first college acceptance. So we're talking about some serious thing, and I get this text, hey, look, check this out. And there's a screenshot of, of her acceptance letter. <laughs> I start weeping. And all of a sudden, the meeting shuts down, this awkward silence, and they all look at me. What? <laughs> I hand my phone over, look at this. Anyway, uh, it wasn't always that way. So, but there's this, there's this emotional thing that goes on. And, and so I think about the story of... Um, there's a family in our church that I had the opportunity to serve them at uh, a funeral. They uh, had lost their son. There was the mother, father, and it was uh, the daughter and the son. Son, 20 years old. Son was 20 years old and had a, a medical condition that he'd struggled with his entire life. And, and the family had sacrificed time and money, energy, everything, pouring into this, this young man to keep him alive. And for a long time, that worked. But then there was just, there came a time it just was, it was too much, and he passed away. And so I had the opportunity to serve this family. And uh, the family, of course, struggled with that, losing uh, such a, a young person in their family. And then uh, I, I got a call a couple months ago, and uh, I got the news that the mom, who struggled tremendously with the passing of her son, she had brain cancer. And uh, uh, she, she, it was terminal. And um, so I got the call, and, and just then a week or so later, I got another call. Hey, can you come over and pray with us as a family? And so I did. Sherry and I drove over, and we walked into the home. And, and here was this home just filled with people in grief. You could feel the emotion, this, the grief and the pain and the sadness and the why does this happen is this happened where mom now has contracted this terrible disease and is not going to see her daughter's, her daughter's wedding just several weeks beyond this time. And it became, so I, we walked in, greeted the family, and, and walked into the room, and, and here's, here's Mary uh, laying in her hospital bed there, surrounded by family and friends, and uh, not responsive, really, just you know, laying there and on her side. And I, I did the only thing that I knew how to do, and that was to walk up. And I grabbed her hand, sat down, grabbed her hand, and just, just, oh, just started, oh, um, crying and and uh, just feeling the, ten, the the tension and the pain. And I was able to to read some psalms and to pray, and then uh, later in that, uh, that day, she passed away. But there was this, I get to connect emotionally, and I, I was there with them in this moment, serving them, and it was so foreign to me, so foreign to me as I grew up, but, but it's this, I had to be there physically, mentally, and emotionally. And then, uh, then, as we move on here, the next uh, level for me and the, and the deepest one for me is the spiritual belonging, the spiritual connection and engagement with people. Um, uh, earlier this month in August, August 1st, last month, August 1st, I was reading in the book Streams in the Desert, it's a devotional, and, and I'd gone, gone over this devotional with uh, Mary's husband, and, and uh, we'd started to read this together, and 
So August 1st, the, the devotional there was about consecration and the idea of setting aside yourself for a specific act. And he related to consecrating yourself to God, of committing yourself to God fully and completely. And he basically wrote my, my thoughts and feelings and stories that he was afraid of, of what he would lose and what he'd have to give up and what he would have to sacrifice in these things. And there was this fear there. And I related, related to it so much because there, there's always been this part of me that has harbored this little dream down here. I never wanted to be a pastor. You know, I said to God a long time ago, growing up in the church, I do not want to be a pastor. I will never be a pastor. And then God said, oh yeah, check this out. And, and so he led me here, and I've been this pastor here for 20 years, but it's almost been like I've been running and running and running for so long uh, to not fully embrace that with you, with you, of, of being a pastor and shepherding and reaching out and caring and, and making myself known to be known in this transformation because I've harbored this little thing down here that says, what's going to happen after I do this? What am I going to get to do? Man, I sure hope it's, you know, you know after I get done being a pastor, I'm going to do this. And so this spiritual thing worked me for about a week, totally worked me for about a week. And I went back uh, to it again as a, and read it again and again. And, and as I sat on the shores of Lake Geneva uh, just about a week after that, uh, I said, all right, I'm in. I have no idea what that means, except for I need to take this little thing here and just kind of kick it off, off the cliff. And uh, so I did. I said, God, I am fully in. It's as though I'm at the edge of this, cl this cliff, this precipice myself, and I had to launch, not just step off. I had to run, take a running leap, and run, and fly off, and, and, and into whatever. I don't know what it is. And to fully embracing this thing. So do you get the idea there's this physical and mental emotional, and spiritual connection that, uh, of, of level of, of uh, being and connecting. You know, I think about uh, Romans 6.13, do not offer any part of yourself as a sin, uh, to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So belong. That's the value of belong. What is... Uh, you know, can, I, uh, can I ask you to consider a couple things? One, can you open your home? Um, can you do what I did here this morning? You can at least do pancakes and bacon, right? Can you invite someone into your home and practice hospitality? And in Romans, we're called to practice hospitality. A number of you do this very, very well. But it's tough, isn't it? You invite people into your home to practice this. Shauna Nyquist says, sometimes hospitality uh, is giving people a safe place to go so that they're not alone. It's creating a sacred space, showing love by providing food and shelter, acting out God's practical love for his people. Who loves bacon? Yeah, right? Everything goes better with bacon, right? Singing in bacon, Troy and bacon, right? You know, we just, everything goes, bacon and bacon, you know? I might like you besides bacon, but you know, I, bacon's good. Bacon is really good. And I have prepared bacon for you. And I prepared uh, pancakes for you. Why didn't you come up and get any? You know? The table is set for you to come up and get something, right? Nobody's come up. I've had these plates up here. And I know you probably wanted to, but there's this, oh, I don't know if I can really go do it. Can you open your home? Can you practice hospitality? Of course you can. 
freak, you know, shove everything in your laundry room, right? Shove it all in your laundry room, shut the door, put do not disturb over it, and nobody goes in there except for your really good friends. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Can you join a group? You know, we, we have all these groups, and after the service, I'd really encourage you to go check out a, a group. Um, there's opportunities for you to join and belong and be a part of, a, a, of many different groups. There's community groups, discovery groups. There you go. Community groups, your life groups, your small groups, whatever you want to call it. It's a gatherings around a community. It's what I talked about. It's the group that goes to San Francisco in celebration with you. Your discovery groups gather around uh, topics in certain teachings, short-term groups. You, you don't camp there. You go and you learn and you grow together with a group and then you move on. And there's serve groups. A lot of you serve around here practically with your hands and such. What if we were to, and we are, moving towards serving, and when you get done serving, well, then you meet as a little huddle, a little group, and you're together and you're, and you're learning and growing and, and sharing. Care groups meet around needs, practical needs, divorce care, that, you know, different life stages. I think about family life groups, our children and our, and our high school and our middle school ministries. It's it's these groups getting together. We have kids. We have, we have our students gathering together and being surrounded by other adults to get loved on and be a part of a little community. We've got Origins, which is a seven-week uh, meeting where we go through uh, what is God's story? What is our story? What is it about giving? What is it about the church? These different things. Great place to start and form a group. So we have, we have opportunities for groups. Can you do that? couple things, real quick, and, and then we'll end. Um, you know, what about when you hear the word no, right? So you've pursued, a lot of you have pursued, and, and you know, you've reached out for the bacon, because bacon's good. You reached out, I want to be part of a group, and then you get told no. Or it's just too difficult, or we can't do it that way, or there's no room, or whatever. You know, you don't get a call back. Whose responsibility is it to motivate you to keep going? yours, it's, it's mine, to motivate myself to keep struggling and pursuing it because nothing good is easily gained, right? You've got to struggle for that, so I encourage you. What about if you're uh, an introvert, right? And, and so this, these big, you know, these group things, and so if you're an introvert, don't, don't change. Be yourself. Gather with two people. You and, you know, a friend and another friend. Just gather just together in a little bit of a group. But be together, Offer your sincerity and your heart to that group because we need you. So uh, as we go uh, to the table, I think about uh, in Matthew when Jesus uh, says, I will build my kingdom and the gates of hell will not prevail. And he's going to do it with us or he's going to do it without us. And I sure want to be with him in this and I hope that you are too. I hope that you uh, will, will come and you will be a part and belong, because you belong. You belong here. Welcome home. You belong here. So again, as we go to response, I'd just love you to consider uh, you know, what God might be telling you this morning uh, about groups and about relationships and such. And, all right? Love you.